On this episode of AV Social, we define what content marketing is in the AV space, how often you should produce for your clients and audience, and the benefits of hiring independent creators to help your content marketing strategy. All that and more on this episode of AV Social. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Social, episode 44, Creative Connections. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of AV Social. Today, we're going to be talking about content creation. From blogs to podcasts and videos, the rise of content marketing makes every business a creator. So on this episode of AV Social, we're going to discuss creating content that's true to you and to your brand, both internal versus external creation, and some guidelines to help get you started. I am your host of this episode of AV Social, Dawn Mead. My lovely co-host, Kelly Perkins, could not be with us today. We miss you. Hi, Kel. But I am not alone. I am joined today by three lovely folks who have agreed to be on the show. First up, Miss Kirsten Nelson, who is a writer and chief content creator at Vernacular. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks for coming on. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. We also are joined by Ms. Lindsay Adler, who's an independent creative. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Don. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And of course, a familiar face from a few episodes back, we're joined again by Mike Kirby, better known as Kirby, who is a director of business development at GenCom. Hi, Kirby. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back. Didn't offend you too bad last time. (laughs) (laughs) No, we always love having a wide variety of perspectives and, you know, no one person knows everything. So that's why we have shows and podcasts like this. Thanks for coming back on. So let's just start off the conversation and define what exactly is content marketing. Um, Kirby, you spoke last. Let's start with you. Yeah, sure. So what we found is we typically were going after clients in a very shotgun approach. So we just created content and hoped people would watch it or read it. Um, And we realized that we were spending a lot of time and money and not getting results. So Um, What we really are doing now, what I think content marketing is anyway, is we're really trying to hone in and go, who are our target markets? Whether it's um, K through 12, who are the exact clients we want to meet with in K through 12, and what are their problems? And now we create content very specific for those roles, for those titles, um, and sometimes even specifically for a couple of people uh, to really get their interests. Okay, great. That's a great approach on how to use it as an integrator, as a user. Um, Kirsten or Lindsay, either of you, jump on right in. You know, you you are the creative types. How do you define or how have you used content marketing? Yeah, content marketing, I've I've enjoyed in the AV industry the opportunity to create some of it for um, some of our wonderful companies in the business. And um, content marketing is this it's basically a way that someone can help people find you on the internet. <laughs> so if they're Googling, you know, in their locale, you know, Google kind of helps with this, helps you, you know, find people. And if you could do your SEO properly, that also helps. But basically if someone's asking a question, 
what kind of projector do I need for my conference room? Or why does my conference room sound like an echo chamber? Um, then if they stumble across your answer to that question, then you look like an expert. The company looks like an expert. And if, if that person ends up kind of being on your site, finding other valuable content, it builds trust. So it's kind of the cultivation of an expertise. It's, it's not about mentioning hardware or technology. It's about saying, hey, hey, end user, hey, end customer, um, this, is your, this is the issues you're having. Here's some perspective on it for you. And oh, by the way, we're experts on this and we can probably help you solve these problems. So that's how I would sum it up. <laughs> um, Lindsay, anything to add with that? Uh, you know, they both defined it much better than I would have. So thank you guys for going ahead of me there. To me, content marketing, it's, it's almost a confusing question because to me, content is marketing. Uh, or I kind of think about it in terms of what it is not, right? So like, it's not advertising, right? It's not static blasting information into people's faces. It's not clickbait. It's not shamelessly plugging your brand, right? It's telling a story that usually follows a, a buyer journey, a narrative, um, you know, and it's an informational journey that helps inform people's decisions and uh, engages them and helps drive them to act. I love that. Um, I, I was going to mention after Kirsten talked, you know, I, I, I read something recently that, you know, we've gotten to become in an age of everybody's an expert. And, you know, five years ago when we all sort of started this journey with content marketing and blogging and even podcasting, it was to establish ourselves as experts. Now, anyone with a WordPress can say they're an expert and, and write blogs, you know, whether they're accurate or not. So I love that idea of taking what we do and making a narrative of it, telling a story that brings people in while demonstrating your expertise. So that's great. Thank you. Um, so for, I guess we'll start with Lindsay. What reasons would you have for developing a content creation plan? I mean, we all, you know, blog and podcast willy nilly, it seems sometimes. And, um, you know, get, getting to the structure of it. How, how, you know, what do you think the reasons are there? Or what yeah, well, the structure is exactly it, really. And it's the same reason that you would build a marketing plan in general, right? Is, you know, willy-nilly blogging and podcasting is fun, but uh, you want to be more strategic about it if you're doing it for business purposes, right? Uh, and when we talk about storytelling and narratives and buyer journeys, content can be very small little bits along a much bigger story, especially when you're communicating on the internet, right? People have very short attention spans, right? So content can be a photo, an Instagram post, right? Any little tidbit of information, or it could be a full-on podcast or webinar or white paper or ebook or whatnot, right? right? And I really think of it as there are, are little micro steps along that whole journey, right? And having a cohesive plan from the outset, I think, has obvious benefits when you're telling that broader story. And bringing it back to the AV space more specifically, um, people typically, you know, we, we generally have pretty long buying cycles um, comparatively to other industries. Uh, so again, I think that that just really demonstrates how important it is to have a structured plan of helping people get from one step in their journey to another one. Right. 
Kirby, I'll go to you next. Um, since you are business development, you know, this really falls under your purview. You know, is, is the content creation plan a, a huge part of what you do? Um, or what's the value there? What, give yeah, us for, insight from your end. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, it's kind of a two-way street between sales and marketing um, with the content creation plan. So we'll get the plan. Typically, we plan about a quarter in advance. Um, so we know what's coming up, which for the sales team, it's really nice because as we're talking with customers uh, or even prospective customers, we know what's coming up. And so as they go, hey, we have this issue, I can, I know ahead of time, we're going to put out a piece about that, you know, wait a week, let me get you this, this piece or whatever. Um, and vice versa, we also will tweak it if we're out there having conversations, we're going, um, hey, we're getting a lot of questions about this. I know this topic seems really cool for next quarter, but what if we tweak the plan? So it, it is both ways, but I think for sales, it's really important um, to know what's coming up so we can have the right conversations with our clients, the times with what's going on on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and our blog and that kind of stuff. So, you know, come up with a plan, but don't chisel it in stone. Be a little exactly. flexible there. Awesome. Exactly. Um, Kirsten, your, your company provides content for people like Kirby that have a plan. Um, I mean, how do you feel about falling within that plan or even providing metrics or measurables within that? Um, yeah, I, I love it when they have a plan because that means, <laughs> that means they've thought it through. And, um, and, and I, I think like Kirby is saying, the best plans are the ones that are formed based on what your customers are asking for. Um, you know, real time or, you know, or over the long term, or like Kirby was saying earlier, when you start to really identify which customer you're trying to get right now, um, it's kind of fun to sit down and go, okay, well, what are they worried about right now? What are some, you know, and then topical stuff that they're having, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to be Googling, put that in your plan, <laughs> you know, whatever inquiry they're going to put out there, um, make that part of your structure. Um, and then like Lindsay was saying, um, think about that buying cycle, you know, what, which, which little pieces of content might they discover as they become more educated and, or maybe as they buy that first projector and try to do it themselves, <laughs> you know, what's, what's the next piece that, that might lead them again back to you after they've, you know, maybe made an error and need a professional. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, but on the metrics thing, I think, I think I don't, that's the part where I would lean on the actual organization themselves. You know, if they're, they're keeping the metrics, um, the analytics for their own, for their own click-throughs and stuff like that. But yeah, so let's, luckily for me, I just help tell the story. Okay. <laughs> and I, and I actually, I've been given SEO keywords too, when I write stories. Um, sometimes those are handed to me with the assignment. Like just Please plug this in so you can keep track and yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a couple of people who've asked me to kind of it's been interesting as a writer to just sprinkle those words in as often as possible, you know, and throughout the structure of the piece, you know, to go with SEO. So it's kind of right. But to try to keep it organic and not yeah, like, yeah the old yeah. days of hashtag and putting in a bunch of words just for meta purposes. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's interesting in my career doing marketing and, and, and doing content creation, you know, metrics has been a big topic like every boss I've ever worked for okay you can write your little blog or you can do your little podcast but how do I know this is working for me what 
what's the value of this to my company? Where's the, you know, the proof, the, the ROI, the, the numbers that show me that this is valuable? Um, I guess this question's for really any of you. You know, what metrics are there that we can take to those bosses and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're making an impact here. Um, you know, is it number of click-throughs, as, as Kirsten mentioned? Is it page views? Is it follow-up calls with your sales department? What's, um, what do you see as the most valuable metric to know your content marketing is having an impact? Um, Kirby, Lindsay, want to jump in? Um, okay, I'll jump in first because I'm going to kick it to Kirby. Um, but uh, and there are, there's a whole plethora of different metrics, so it's hard to know. I mean, I would certainly caution against certain vanity metrics, right? Like followers really doesn't tell you anything. I mean, once you get down deep into it, I mean, you could have 75% of your followers are, you know, writing from some country halfway across the world who, you know, don't really have an impact on, uh, on your business. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but certainly, uh, engagement with your content, I think is a big deal. And that can be as simple as, you know, how long do people watch a video before they clicked it off? Um, and the same thing goes with, um, page views, duration that people spend on your page, I think is a really key metric. Um, and let's see, you know, actions that they take, whether it's, you know, the click through rate or sharing it or favoriting or whatnot. And when you get into those metrics on social media, for example, um, those types of metrics are what's going to inform and, um, are, are going to inform the network really to, you know, boost your post even further. Right. Uh, and Oh, right. So what I was going to kick to Kirby, I think that he could probably speak better about too, is that you can take a much longer term view uh, in terms of shortening deal cycle, for example, right? Uh, and I think he can speak more along those lines in terms of like direct sales metrics, right? There is supposedly you can shorten your deal, you can shorten deal cycles and also um, the, the higher sales rate, right? So bigger deals, less deals, more deals closing, shorter close rate, for example. Um, so, I mean, there, there's really so many different metrics, especially if you're doing marketing automation tools, right? So open rates are one thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are just so many different ways you can go. The thing, I, I always caution against um, trying to read all of the metrics, right? So I would say pick the few that you think are most important to you and your business model and what your sales goals are, right? Um, and yeah, I, I think Kirby can probably elaborate on a lot of those things from the sales perspective. That, that, I mean, that's an interesting point though. You know, when I, again, when I started writing and, and making content, so to speak, um, when this was a new thing, there weren't really any metrics other than some vanity metrics. And now we've got all these different measures. It's easy to get overwhelmed in those or to look at the wrong ones, you know, ignore the heat maps and the stickiness and look more at, Hey, we've got new followers. Let's have a party. It's working. But, you know, so, um, Kirby, you know, what's your, your experience been with, um, sort of those ideas that Kirsten said, what as an integrator, um, has been the value or which metrics have been valuable to you with your content creation? Yeah. And I mean, Lindsay's right there. <clears throat> there are a lot of different metrics, which um, some can be very helpful. So I, I think when we're trying to develop content and go what content worked well, um, we like to look at those metrics, which 
uh, emails got the best open rates, that kind of stuff. Um, for the sales team um, and myself, uh, it's, it's hard because it's not a hard metric. It's not a number that's easy to measure. Um, but when a customer says, I'm calling you because I you know, looked at your website, I have no idea what they looked at and how many blogs they read and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's a win to me when I get a direct lead or even if it's a client I'm already working with, um, like Lindsay said, it makes the sell a lot smoother because I only get so much time with a customer in person. So it's great if I can have some materials that can back me up that they can read whenever they, they want. And for some reason, you know, what you read on the internet seems more trustworthy than what Kirby's sitting in front of you telling, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's helpful to have that backup um, that's written by the expert, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wish there was a good hard number to say how many customers said this or looked at this or that. Unfortunately, it's not, um, which obviously makes our job challenging when we're trying to say, hey, we need more dollars for this content. Um, and that's where we have to turn to the HubSpots or those kind of metrics to say how many people actually read it and opened it. But, but yeah, sales, I think, is the ultimate metric for us. So, Right. Well, it's certainly the ultimate metric for our bosses who yes. are looking to get those checks. <laughs> um, so, Kirby, we'll, we'll start with you with this because, uh, you know, we, we were also to be joined today by Ms. Haley uh, Klein from PSNI. And she also, I think she and um, Kelly went off somewhere on a vacation or someone yeah, was using it somewhere across the country. <laughs> um, she was another end user, so to speak, um, of the content creation world. And so this next question was for the two of you. It's all you, Kirby. Um, but, you know, when you're coming up with a content creation plan, who all is involved internally within your company? Uh, you know, who are the key players that you need to talk to? Or is it just the word of Kirby, amen? You know, or, or do, do, we, do we pull in different groups and have more in-depth conversations, I guess is the question. Well, we should clarify, nobody ever does anything because of the word of Kirby. I've learned that. Um, so that's not the case. Uh, but what we have a weekly meeting with our sales and our marketing team. So um, generally, it's, it's driven by the marketing uh, team, but it, sales has probably the most amount of input. So we, we say, here are the conversations we've been having. Here are the target clients we're looking at. Um, here are the things that people are struggling with. Um, and that's where they then go back. And we, we have an outside marketing firm as well that, that helps us um, draft the content calendar. And then they bring it back to the team and say, okay, here's the next, you know, eight weeks or 12 weeks if we're, if we're on top of it, but usually about eight weeks of stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, we kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call it an approval, but we voice our opinion and go, yeah, that looks good. That doesn't, um, let's tweak this. Um, and then we also kind of get, um, final say on a blog before it's posted. You know, if it's really pertinent to my clients, they'll send it to me and say, what do you think? And I'll go, this is great. Just add a couple more of these, or can we get a statistic or, you know, the things that I feel like have been pertinent to our conversations. Um, and then I, at the end of the day, I mean, we're a small company. I think most integrators are fairly small. So, you know, our, our CEO or our president, um, still will chime in often, you know, here's what I'm hearing. Here's the conference I was just at. And they're talking about this. We should do a piece on that. So we all have a little bit of piece. Uh, it's ultimately still driven by marketing, but I think we all play a little role in there. So. Right. Um, Kirsten, I'll ask you, you know, as an independent creative, when, when do you, who do you like to see involved from the, from the integrator side or from your customer side to get that conversation going, to help you build the content, that they're looking for? 
Yeah, I like it. It's um, I like to get multiple voices from the company um, when possible. Um, and yeah, as everyone's saying, first, yeah, start with the marketing people, find out what their message is. I like to make sure that I get what actual phrases and words and, and things they want and what message that they're, they're pushing out with their sales team. So I make sure that that's in the back of my mind. And then depending on the kind of work I'm doing, I actually do love to talk to either salespeople who are out in the field or, you know, the sales engineers, the ones that are the combination of the two, um, make sure that I get their perspective on the number one questions and comments and concerns that they're hearing out there. So if I'm generating some content that's meant to be a piece of expertise from the company, I'm genuinely addressing the things that they're hearing out in the field. And I'm also incorporating the messages for the marketing team. Um, if it's a case study type of piece, I really like to make sure I talk to the project manager on it um, and also the sales person. I, I kind of want both sides because I want the client needs to, you know, case studies used to be all about which piece of hardware did they use, but now it's more about what was that client looking for? How do we solve that for them? It's all the sort of soft things, the soft questions. So it's like, experience. I, I like to say, yeah, the experience, right? And so I always like to say bluntly, what were they looking for? And then I had to keep circling back to that because people still can't. It's, it's interesting. We had to keep hammering on that. No, no, really. What was the user looking for? <laughs> so, um, so I kind of like to talk to a few people just to shape it. Um, but I've also done plenty of pieces where if I know the company well enough, and this is the case with a lot of the people I work with, um, they just give me an assignment and I run with it. <laughs> Sometimes they just give me an assignment and they say, you're writing in this voice of this particular executive, um, go with it. And I can actually do that with the right guidance from the marketing person. You know, if I, if I know the company voice and I know the person I'm writing as, <laughs> um, I can do it um, with very minimal involvement. <laughs> so it kind of runs the gamut. <laughs> okay. Um, so in, in my experiences, you know, I, I worked for a lot of small integrators, like Kirby said, a lot of us are small integrators. And the, the one caution I always got as the marketing team or the marketing folks, business development folks, even sales folks was the engineers and the technicians. And I quote a former colleague, we're sick of trying to cash the checks that we wrote with our words. So, you know, trying to make things happen that we sold or that we um, you know, promoted that, that they then have to turn into reality if, if we misspoke or we overhyped something. Um, Lindsay, you know, is, is there some value there of maybe going beyond these logical groups in, in coming up with the content and talking to the technicians, to the engineers, to the, to the guys that have to cash the checks that <laughs> we're writing with our words, you know? That's an interesting metaphor. I haven't heard that before, but um, I always encourage people to talk to as many people as possible. Uh, you know, there are the obvious people who should be involved, you know, on a strategic level, sales, president, CEO, right? Uh, and beyond those people who, um, you know, are close to the customer also, um, I'll talk to a project manager, right? Who, you know, they, they're the ones that are on site making everything, making sure everything arrives on time and, and everything stays on track. And, you know, that, that story of how the project 
um, goes, you know, every, all of those little steps, sometimes those project managers have really different insight into it, really valuable insight. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I always encourage you to ask, talk to as many people as possible. Um, and sometimes it's difficult finding the right people, right? So like a, a sales engineer, for example, could be an ideal person to talk to theoretically, but, um, you know, not every sales engineer really is in tune with, uh, what the customer is looking for, right? You know, so sometimes it's a little bit more nuts and bolts for those types of people. And then there are those engineers who, you know, are really hands-on every step of the way on the project job site, right? Um, and some of those people are just more well-spoken, is quite simply, right? So it's kind of identifying who who can speak marketing speak right who who can speak the language of the customer and not get lost in the specs <laughs> right right um so my next question is obviously for the ladies on the panel you know you're the independent creatives as an integrator you know we always would say we don't want to be brought in when the walls are closed and the building's finished and then we have to tear up your beautiful new construction to put in the equipment bring us into the process earlier as independent creatives, when should the Kirby's and the marketing directors and the salespeople contact you to bring you into the the process of creating content? You know, when 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 should you be brought into the fold, Kirsten? Um, yeah, I guess I would say it, it depends on the piece you're looking for. Um, um, we can do. I can do a quick turnaround on stuff, and I can do that <laughs> as needed. You know, like if. Um, I've had people where they have an opportunity um, that they've they've acquired through a relationship they have with a publication or an outlet, and they say, "Oh my God, we need this many words um, from this person now." Um, so I, I'm fine with that. You know, I can work with that. Um, to be, it's interesting. Um, there isn't necessarily an ideal time. It depends on what you're asking for. If you're looking for a long form white paper. That's, you know, you can bring me in any time, but I'm going to need a long runway, you know, because I'm going to need to do multiple interviews plus a lot of research on the back uh, and before I can produce the piece. Um, so I basically, I think you can kind of bring me in whenever. I'm just going to give you a different answer on how, how long it's going to take me to produce the piece. Um, I think for if you're doing case studies, it's nice if the project is actually done. Um, we used to do that when I was at SCN Magazine. We'd have to say, look, sorry, we actually need the project to be complete before we can write about it because things could change, et cetera. Um, so I think for case studies, it's wise if they're done, um, if the project is done before it's written about. Um, but it can also be in development as it's closing so that the minute that the project goes live, the piece goes out. So it's right. basically, <laughs> there's... There's no one answer here, is there? It's kind of whatever makes sense for the piece and when you want the words out there. So, See, And that's interesting that you said you'd prefer the project to be completely finished. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, gee, wouldn't it be great if we knew we were going to be doing this headline mm -hmm. piece to bring mm -hmm. in the creative sooner Mm -hmm. And maybe not continuously through the end of the project, but mm -hmm. hey, Lindsay, Kirsten, come in and do some photos of this phase of the job and mm -hmm. talk to some people in the construction phase yeah. and we'll, we'll bring you back, you know, in a little bit to do the next phase so that when you put that white paper together, we're not relying on a technician or a, a project manager to remember to take a photo of something in progress that could be a key part of the story down the road. Yeah. 
That's um, a really good point. I, yeah, I think I, Lindsay would speak to that because I, I was talking strictly about words, you know, but when we're talking right. about other forms of content, yeah, you should be doing it all along the way and capturing stuff. Yeah, especially photography, you were mentioning that. And I will say that I think every technician and project manager, they are very proud of their work and they take photographs every step of the way. Um, and I, I definitely, I would just caution again, I, I definitely double down on that, you know, the product should be finished. I've certainly fallen into that trap, um, you know, where scope creep happens, right? <laughs> you know, and, and you make promises to people and, and just commitments, right? And, you know, Thanks, Lindsay. It sounds like we're having some technical difficulties, but we're nearing the top of our show here. And so in wrapping up, uh, we'll go back to Kirby. And this is like one of the most difficult questions that you may get asked as a marketing content business development person. Oh, good. How often should we be publishing content? Uh, yeah, that is, that is a difficult question. I think it depends a lot on your audience. Um, and what you feel they want and need. Um, you know, we do, as I, I would imagine most, we do some um, targeted outbounds. So like emails, we try to keep those very minimal. We focus on just a couple of verticals. So we do, basically, we try and do one email per quarter for each vertical because um, we don't want in, in, we don't want to inundate people and have them unsubscribe. Um, so we, we keep that minimal. Um, our Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, um, I'll be honest, we haven't been great at that, but we're trying to get that more frequent uh, because that's more an on-demand. You can look at that whenever you want. It's not as obtrusive as maybe an email. Um, so I, I wish I had an exact number. I don't. I think it, it really does depend on, on what you're trying to, um, what message you're trying to convey. You know, how many targets are you going after at one time? Um, you know, and what's the information that they're looking for that you can provide. So it, it might be uh, one LinkedIn post a week. It might be one a month. It might be five per day. It just kind of depends a little bit. So maybe one of the smarter women here in the room can answer that. But <laughs> Kirsten, same difficult question to you. How often should you publish content? Or is it like Kirby says, a matter of degree of what you're publishing and where or how? Yeah, I think, yeah, I've Kirby had the exact right answer. It's a good thing he started with him for the difficult one <laughs> because I think, yeah, it just, it really depends. I think consistency is probably the answer I would say is make sure you're, you're sprinkling the universe with your wonderful content in a regular fashion so that it doesn't fall off and so that your SEO doesn't suffer. Um, so I think that's one of the things, just be consistent. Um, and once you've chosen your pattern, yeah. Would you say consistency in general or consistency on single platforms? Because I know mm -hmm. some companies and organizations, they have a LinkedIn and they have a mm -hmm. Facebook page and they have a Twitter and they have, you know, all these various sources. Is it more important to be consistent in general, just a piece here, then a piece over there, mm -hmm. then a piece over there? Or is it, I have to do Twitter weekly and I have to do LinkedIn every other week and I have to do Facebook, you know, twice a month and I have to, you know, do white papers or case studies, you know, quarterly or something. Yeah, I think that multi-phase, that multi-platform approach is definitely one that um, uh, I know that Lindsay could speak to because she would have to balance all that stuff. Um, but I think it's definitely something that it's dependent on the organization and, and where you are seen most. Um, ideally, yeah, you are one of those superhero companies that has a presence on all those platforms and you are constantly um, operating in all of them and, and 
getting your words out in all of them. And I think you can also lean on your team members to do more like on LinkedIn and things like that. So it could be one of those multi-pronged things. Um, maybe it's not like you're not keeping a constant schedule, but maybe you're encouraging people to be getting out there uh, via their own personal um, methods of communicating with the audience. Um, so yeah, you can kind of coordinate all of that and you can kind of just encourage everybody to keep talking. Um, depends on your company and, and if you have a dedicated marketing person in-house, which you should. <laughs> right, right. Oh, we all think so, but yeah, right, right. we're the marketing folks. <laughs> Welcome back, Lindsay. You had a little technical difficulty there, but, uh, you know, Kirsten says you're the expert on this. So how often or how should you approach your publishing of content? Yeah, well, not to repeat any of the good um, strategies that, Kirsten and Kirby mentioned, right, in terms of regularity, right, I've just doubled down on that. But the kind of new angle that I would just sprinkle in would be to um, pay attention to your metrics. And there are some great metrics out there in terms of when people are most frequently online, especially in social media, but you can see that on um, Google SEO also, right? So in general, uh, people are more active on social media um, towards the second half of the week, right? So I usually spend Monday and Tuesday kind of planning um, the weekly content out, right? Just sort of highlighting different information and sprinkling in my own content amidst that. Um, and it, it really does depend on the social network too. For example, Facebook gets a lot of activity over the weekends, right? But LinkedIn doesn't. Uh, and the same thing goes with just certain times of day, right? So noon is generally a good time of day, 9 a.m. is generally a good time of day, and the end of day also. But it varies by social network. So, I mean, you can look these things up on, online or you can even check in on your own metrics, right? Um, and there's certain, you know, there's A-B testing, right? You can kind of just uh, sprinkle through content whenever you'd like just to see, you know, when people are clicking most, if you have enough content to do that. Um, that would kind of be a prerequisite. Uh, but yes, certainly regularity, responsiveness, um, I would say at a minimum weekly. Uh, and I would also just emphasize how easy it is to recycle content, right? So um, you, from a thematic perspective, one piece of content can be broken up into all sorts of different little posts or blogs or pictures or sound bites even, right? So you don't need to reinvent the wheel to um, be regularly and consistently having content around. It's really just kind of thinking a little outside of the box and you know how to put a different spin on it, uh, depending on you know where you want to distribute it and, and definitely pay close attention to those metrics too, because that's really gonna inform the strategy uh, as you go along. Wow, thanks. That's a lot of great info. I'm sitting over here trying to like remember it all in my head. I wish I had my notebook out. <laughs> you can hit rewind and rewind. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I guess one last quick question before we get to anything. You know, we, we love to think positively and we love to think that we're going to put out this great content and, and, and everything's going to be wonderful. Money's going to roll into our companies. Are there any hidden traps or what are the traps that you might find in starting or continuing a content marketing plan or content creation plan? Um, Kirsten, let's start with you. What Have you come across any other than writer's block? <laughs> yeah, I think, well, one of the hidden traps might be you might lose, you might get too obsessed with the metrics and too obsessed with SEO and, and lose sight of who your company is as a brand. I think most importantly, remember who your uh, 
what your brand is and um, what your voice is out there and, and make sure to, you can, you can stay true to that. You know, you don't have to get too complex with things. Um, you can just remember who you are out in the marketplace and, and keep asserting that. So yeah, don't get, don't get too caught up in the measurement and metrics. Um, uh, stay personal, I think would be a big thing. Um, and then, yeah, don't let that editorial calendar don't let it slide too much. I think some people make a concerted effort and then there's a team change or there's not enough buy-in from the sales team. And basically someone goes, why are we still doing this? And then it just falls apart. Don't let it fall apart. Maybe even if you have to down, downshift a little bit, try to keep that voice out there. Like Lindsay said, minimum of at least weekly. Right. Great. Kirby, what about you? What, what hidden traps have you encountered with the content marketing world? Yeah, I think um, a couple things. I, I agree with Kirsten. Um, definitely don't let the calendar slide and forget about it. Um, but I'd add to that, like we talked about before, don't chisel it in stone either. I mean, we are in technology. We see every day a new announcement about something cool that's coming out. So, um, you know, our clients are really in this dynamic um, position, if you will, that their needs are constantly changing based on the technology available as well. Uh, so keep that fluid and open conversation going so that we can adapt quickly. Um, and the other piece that we fall into a lot is we forget all the industry vernacular we use and the terminology and that's not what our clients are using. And so that's probably been one of our biggest traps is trying to remember, let's speak to our clients in the language they understand, not the language, you know, we use all day. Um, we talk Dante, AVB, all this stuff like that. Some of them have no idea what we're talking about when we say that. So, Right. Okay. So, so far we have be yourself, but be what your client needs. And we have you be strict to your calendar, but be flexible. So, <laughs> Lindsay, any other uh, balancing acts you want to give us in this uh, traps of content marketing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are landmines everywhere. Um, certainly, I would encourage you to be flexible and, you know, use that your calendar, your editorial plan as a um, sort of guideline, but um, you should expect to change and, and be prepared to change. Um, the other main caution, um, just that hasn't been mentioned yet, is um, keep an eye on practicality, right? Sometimes we get lost in a grand, big, awesome idea and it might not be that easy to execute on. So I always try to keep a degree of level-headedness. And um, I, I also like to take the perspective of, if I can't do this by myself, then maybe I shouldn't be doing, you know, it's great to have a team, absolutely, and you absolutely should. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't know how to produce something on your own, if, you know, a disaster happens or something unpredictable, then, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble follow through. So just keep that level head as to what's really practical. And uh, I wouldn't discourage anybody from dabbling into big, grand, creative exposés. Um, I wouldn't discourage that at all. But certainly, you know, try to keep a certain um, level-headedness about it and just stay true to what is feasible, what is practical, what is... And, and that speaks to budget also, right? Um, content can be really expensive to produce, um, especially if you're looking at videos which are great. Uh, but yeah, you, you want to stay grounded. <laughs> right. Okay, great. Um, 
I want to thank everybody on the panel for coming on today, for sharing such great insights into social content creation and marketing. Um, let's just sort of quickly go around the horn and tell everybody where they can find you, both on the social media world or your company or, you know, yourself if you're an independent uh, contractor. We'll start with Kirby. Kirby, where can folks find you on the Twitters, on the LinkedIns, your company? Give us a rundown. Yeah, so the, the quickest way is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Kirby Utah, K-I-R-B-Y Utah. Um, you can find our company at GenComInc.com, G-E-N-C-O-M-M-I-N-C.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being on the show again. It's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you. Uh, Lindsay, we'll go to you. Where can folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay M. Adler. That's Lindsay with an E-Y. And um, on LinkedIn, just, you know, Google me. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, probably in industry shows and such. You're, you're always around. We, we love seeing you. And thank you for taking time to come on the show today. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and I believe Kirsten's back on voice only. Uh, Kirsten, where can folks find you? <laughs> Or your company. Yeah, I did a visual mic drop there, I guess. Um, <laughs> you can find me at uh, on Twitter at, it's at my whole name, at Kirsten Nelson. Um, or you can also find me on LinkedIn. Like Lindsay said, Google me, Kirsten Nelson Vernacular. You can find me on LinkedIn that way. Wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on the show, um, all of you. And thanks to Haley Klein of PSNI. And my lovely co-host, Kelly, for agreeing to come on the show, even if they ended up going to a spa for mimosas. That's a lie. They're actually working today. We miss them very much. Thanks, ladies. We hope we can have you back on the show soon. Um, as for myself, I'm Dawn Mead. You can find me on the Twitters at AVDawn. You can, of course, find me here on avnation.tv, uh, popping up occasionally on AV Week, and, of course, here on AV Social. Thanks so much, everybody, and thanks for being here on AV Nation.